Welcome to the Eyes on Jesus podcast with Drew and Tim, two pastors discussing practical details about life, leadership, parenting, and being more centered around Jesus first. The goal of this show is to help you keep your eyes on Jesus through the busyness of life and clutter of your schedules. Now, join us for the conversation. Hey, well, welcome to the Eyes on Jesus podcast with Drew and Tim. We're here with you today on a new platform called StreamYard. We had been on Zoom. So if you're watching the video version, check us out. It's like full screen now. Some cool things we can do. We can throw cool things on here like that. Like and share the podcast. Email us at discerningdad.outlook.com. So yeah, there's some cool things we can do navigating the video. And today's episode is going to be question extravaganza. (laughs) We we left it open to you to give us your questions and boy, you sure did. We're very thankful for them. There's a lot of questions that will be fun. There'll be questions that might even stump us, but uh, we're going to, we haven't talked about these ahead of time. So we're just going to go for it and see what happens. Drew, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm a little under the weather if I sound a little different, but doing good, man. And I'm with you. It was so great to see the engagement on our social media platforms in people getting engaged and throwing out questions. And like you said, it got very interesting. And we had some that were just fun and and made us laugh. We had others that were really deep and and we'll try to get to as many as we can, but I'm excited to go back and forth here and rapid fire and just see what happens. Well, let's jump into it. First one we got says, when you give your life to Christ, but still struggle with sin, does this mean you're not saved? What's to you? I personally love this question because I think every single person deals with this and struggles with this. I really do. I think there are I think there are people at, at one point in their life or not, they will give their life to Christ and then they have that question of mm-hmm. am I really saved? Yeah. And I know for me personally, this is a question that I get often with people in my congregation that will say, I feel like I need to get baptized again, or I said a prayer when I was like seven, eight, nine years old. Mm-hmm. did that, was saved in that moment, marked that moment. But then middle school, high school, teenage years here, I didn't live like the Christian life. I didn't even know really what that meant. I, di- I didn't pray. I didn't go to church. I didn't do all these things. I rebelled a little bit, which is the story that a lot of people have. And then boom, your 20s and 30s hit and you're like, am I really saved? <laughs> like, yeah. do I really know Jesus? Because I prayed this prayer and I said I did and I got baptized and I did all these things. And for me, like I, that was my story. Like I accepted Christ as an eight-year-old, got baptized as an eight-year-old, pastor's kid, still went to church. And I thought I had it. So I think first we have to recognize that if so many people have this story, then there's also this level of maturing that Mm -hmm. we still have to do. There's a spiritual maturity. And then there's also just you experiencing life and, and growing up here. But my main answer for am I saved comes from the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And for me to know that I have Jesus living inside of me, this is the awareness of that comes from wanting to progress in my relationship with Christ. It comes from me getting deeper in the word, deeper even in my prayer life. And I don't necessarily mean using big words. I just mean like 
growing from a transactional relationship of I'm going to pray for what I want to yeah. recognizing that prayer is really a conversation and, and it's used for many things and it's not just some kind of like ATM bank transaction. So I, I think when you start recognizing you're progressing in your spiritual maturity, and I think when you recognize, oh, I, I have this like convicting Holy Spirit that when I behave certain ways, my heart is telling me, man, this is not it. And when I do sin, my heart is telling me, man, you really need to repent of that and ask for forgiveness there. Like that's the indicator that uh, you've been saved. So I, I think we're always going to struggle with sin. I think some of us have different tendencies of what that one sin, few sins could be. And I think we're always inevitably going to fall short of the glory of God. This is what uh, the Bible tells us. But it's in those moments, how we react, how we respond in those moments that I think helps me remember like, okay, I have somebody with me in this. I have somebody that's offering me grace and forgiveness. And it's in that, that I gained so much gratitude in wanting to change and get better and get closer to the character of Christ so that I can then display that yeah. character to others. Yeah. No, that's a great answer. And I think it's about progress, not perfection. And so when you look at yourself over time, do you see improvement? Do you see your heart moving more towards God's heart in what the Bible talks about that we should be displaying the fruit of the spirit? And if you looked over the past five years and you've actually gone backwards, or it was just a casual acceptance at the altar and your life has zero fruit from it, then yeah, you might want to be concerned. But if your heart is for God, if you are working towards moving when the Holy Spirit convicts you of things and trying to change and using his strength, not your own to do it, then you're on a good path. And I think too often we look at the act of salvation at the altar as being the end all be all. And that's the first yep. start of your Christian race. There's a whole journey ahead of you, which will be sometimes a step forward and two steps back, it might feel like. But at the same time, it's about the process and where God is taking you towards, I've heard it said this way, is that when you're saved, your spirit is saved, your soul is being saved, and your body will be saved. Mm, because good. your spirit is saved. It's not a work of our own, but then our soul is where our mind, will, and emotions come in. And that's where the enemy can combat us. It's where we can be bound by sin with our flesh. And so our soul is in that process of sanctification. And so we want to purify ourselves. We want to be holy as God is holy. And that causes us to get rid of the junk that we brought into this relationship. Maybe it's a generational thing. Maybe it's a, a sin that we've just held on to that we haven't got rid of. And so that's the process of sanctification. Then our body will be saved. We'll have new bodies mm -hmm. one day. Our bodies are, are just being destroyed as we speak, as you get older. So that's how I look at the process. That's how I've heard it best explained. But if you are struggling with sin, know that Jesus died so you wouldn't have to, that you are an overcomer right. in Christ. And so it's not an excuse either is that, oh, well, I'm just in process. Well, why is that process taking 10 years to overcome an addiction? Right, right. right. That's, that's not the freedom and the the triumph that, that Jesus paid on the cross with his blood. Find accountability, find a way to overcome that now so you don't have to deal with the same sin five, 10 years down the road from now. Yeah. And these are great questions if you are dealing with this to like ask your pastor 
mm-hmm. and have communication and conversation around that. I, I would encourage you, like, don't just listen to this podcast and go, okay, cool. So I am saved or I'm not saved. Like continue right. the conversation because you want to be able to live confidently. You want to be able to live through that confidence and you mm-hmm. want that to exude out of you. And I, I just think that it's a great question. It's something that everybody deals with. I think if you expressed it openly, you would find that there's many people around you that go me too. Right. And that's what's beautiful about it. Another question that we received was what does scripture say when regeneration happens before or after faith. What are your thoughts on that, Tim? Just a few scriptures to lead this discussion is that we are dead in our trespasses before Christ, Ephesians 2.1. Spiritual birth happens and we become a new person, Ephesians 2.6. We are now partakers in the divine nature, 2 Corinthians 5.17. God is the source of this transformation, not man. And so this really comes down to a question is, do you believe in Calvinism or Arminianism? And that's a debate for generation after generation that's happened. And many denominations uh, are the result of it without taking a whole episode. (laughs) Yeah. Dive in, dude. Dive in. I got you on this. Take as much time as you want. So if we have to classify one or the other, I lean on the Arminianism side of things because it's always a question of God's sovereignty or man's free will. Which one is at play? And when I'm asked the question, is God sovereign or do we, does man have free will? My answer is yes, because both are at play, right? It's not a question of one or the other. God is sovereign, but he has given man free will. And so that comes into play when I look at salvation as a gift that we must receive. We can't orchestrate the gift. We can't get it together in the box. We can't do any of that because that's Christ's work on the cross. But now God offers that to us and that's how we receive it in faith. And so I have a problem with the fact that before the foundations of the world, God predestined who would choose. Because just for a lot of different reasons, that there is there's a lot of issues with that in my heart when I look at for God so loved the world that anyone anyone who receives him, it puts a lot of the thing on, okay, well, if that's true, and some Calvinists are various forms of this, some believe that every sin that we commit is because God preordained it. They believe that. That's a hyper-Calvinism, if you want to call that. God's not the orchestrator of sin, period. And so that puts zero onus on us. So if I sin, it's because God ordained me to. If I don't accept Christ, it's because God ordained me to. If I don't believe in Calvinism, it's because God ordained me not to believe in Calvinism. Right. So that rabbit trail goes so far that there's just zero responsibility on our end. And Calvinists will obviously say, no, that's not true because we do have that responsibility. But if you follow through the logic that I have zero responsibility because I'm already preordained to believe in God, then that takes out witnessing. It takes out preaching the gospel because God will reach for them regardless of me. And they say, well, we still need to be obedient because it's what we're called to do, but they can't justify with the fact that I'm not needed to because God will find their way. So there's a lot of things at play here. And at the end of the day, we can have hours long conversation about this, but I am more on the lines of God has done all the work and it's up to us to receive it. Yeah, I'm 100% on board with everything you just said. Anything that is devaluing the words of Jesus, I'm going to have a tough time getting on board with. And and yep. so if Jesus is calling us to go and baptize and go and spread the gospel and do all these things in order that people may know him and connect with him and encounter him, it's going to be difficult for me to go, no, no, no. Like all that is just pointless. Yeah. <laughs> I can't get behind that. I can't get behind that. So, right. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. What else do we have here? All right. I've heard 
not I. This is a question we had. Yeah. I've heard 27 and under say denying self is impossible and takes all the fun out of life. What are your thoughts? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a great question because yeah, right? It would just make sense if you don't know God or have any commitment towards him that you would think, hey, you're just trying to steal my fun. God's a cosmic fun killer. And right. there's so much more to life. And I just live for the moment. And that's a common thing for youth to say. And then, okay, well, now you're in your 30s and 40s and you've mm -hmm. ruined your life and you have multiple failed marriages and you're stuck in sin and addiction. And now you're going to come around and say, oh, there's got to be something more <laughs> to all this than just living for fun. How many right. times has that story played out? Thousands, maybe millions of times in life where you're young, fancy free, no one can touch you. And then life hits really hard and you're like, wow, is this all there is? Is this all there is just to live for the moment? Tell yeah, me more about like, this God thing, right? Right. And you have to ask yourself like that, what you just said, living for the moment, who are you living for? That's really what this question comes down to. Who are you living for? For yourself yeah. or for God? See, and that, that word submission and surrender is what no one wants to talk about. No one ever mm -hmm. even wants to say that. In fact, when pastors say that from stage, oh, surrender, like we don't <laughs> like that word. That's a really nope. tough word. And I'm sure that word's going to come up more and more as we go through the line of these questions. But what it really comes down to is who are you living for? And so yeah. if fun in your life is the money, the cars, the women, if that's fun, if yeah. that's your fun, then you're living for yourself. And so that's how you define fun. And hey, I'm not like downing you. I'm not throwing shade your way. I'm with you. I've mm -hmm. lived that life, but I've also gotten to the point where I've lived that life so much that I had the awareness of like, this ain't it. Fun there's subjective. no stop. Yeah. Tim, there's no stop in my flesh from wanting more. Yeah. There's no stop. There's no so end game. You can right. You can live for money. You're always going to want more money. You can yep. live for the cars. You're always going to want a better car. You can live for the women. You're always going to want another woman. That's the flesh that's you living for yourself. And so I get it. I've heard people say like, oh, God's just, what is it? It's even in a Jim Carrey movie. God is just this kid on an anthill with a magnifying glass and yeah. I'm the ant. And he just wants to ruin my fun. He just wants to spoil <laughs> my fun. It's like, that's not it at all. You just have to decide who you're actually living for. And so I don't think God is wanting to take your fun away. I think in fact, he's trying to call you into something that goes so much deeper and so much further beyond your flesh and your little wants that can never be satisfied to a place where you can live with contentment and you can live with joy and fulfillment and purpose. And that is where you're going to find way more fun than all this other stuff. Because all that other stuff, yeah. man, it just fades away. Well, and like I said, it's subjective. How do you define fun? Like we're both pastors. Do we have fun? Sure. We have fun. Yeah. But it, it's fun that is not going to destroy our future in the form of sin right. because we're called right. to a higher purpose now based on our, yep. our family life, based on who we are in Christ. And so this whole concept that once you turn your life to Christ, you're, just, you're miserable, that you just have to pray for 24 hours a day. All these misconceptions are just wrong because it is fun to be a Christian because you're not living for yourself. Joy and mm -hmm. happiness are two different things. You're not just living this happy Correct. life, but you are living a joy-filled right. life because you mm -hmm. know that even in the midst of trial and, and suffering, there is a, a greater purpose for why you're here. And so that's what I would tell the youth. That's really good. All right. What is our stance on abortion? And when does God decide if you're a human or not? It's <laughs> not just a collection of cells. I like how that's where God just 
Huh. Is this one a human yet? I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't sound that doesn't sound like God. Here, here's the thing. I want to be really clear on my stance on abortion. I also want to be really clear in us recognizing what that then means. So my stance on abortion is that yes, having an abortion is a sin. And yes, having an abortion, if you want to use the word, I could prove it. If you want to use the word and it's like murder, then I would probably side way more on murder than I would. It's just okay to do. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So I believe it's a sin. I think when you start throwing around words like it's murder, I'm not saying that it's not. I'm just saying it's kind of inconsiderate to just throw that out at someone in an argument. But here's what I'll also say. I have really close friends that have had to make some really tough decisions. Mm -hmm. And I've had some really close friends that have gone through an abortion. And I have some really close friends that have a really difficult time with stances and answers to this question. And so we have to recognize that, like you said, God is sovereign, that God is grace-filled, and that God understands us, knows us, knows our thoughts, knows our struggles. So, So I've already told you my stance, but let me just give you some encouragement for our listeners here. Regardless of what situation you find yourself in, I think your number one priority is to go to God. So when you're saying, well, what's your stance on abortion? Okay, I think abortion is a sin. But let me start at the beginning here. I think your number one priority is that you take it to God. Yep. So in that, what I believe is that there are people that have had abortions and it's sin and they're still loved by God and in a relationship with Jesus. And I think they're still going to go to heaven one day. I don't think this ruins your chances. Just like, while I may not have had an uh, abortion, I've certainly done some bad things in my life that would disqualify me (laughs) from being Lord of the universe. You know what I mean? So I don't want the stance that I have to all of a sudden our listeners are like, oh, well then I can't do the following or I can't have a relationship with Jesus or I can't be a a Christian. No, this doesn't disqualify you. This is what's so lovely and so great about Jesus is that you can have these moments in your life and know that there's still a God that understands you and that knows you. Why? Because he created you. And then as far as when does God consider a collection of cells and when is it here? I don't even, that feels like such a trap as a question, (laughs) right? Feels like such a trap. I love the, I will say this before I hand it over to you. I love this comedian. I don't always listen to him, but there's this thing on TikTok that Bill Burr did about abortion. I don't know if you've seen this, but he comes out and he goes, I'll be honest with you. I understand why you'd be mad at abortion not being legalized and all this stuff. And he's like, but at the same time, I still think it's murder. And everybody in the crowd's like, whoa. And he's like, yeah, see, isn't that weird that like I'm on both sides? And he says, it'd be like me getting all the ingredients together to bake a cake and then putting the cake in the oven and you coming in and grabbing that pan and pulling it out of the oven and throwing it across the room. And I'd be like, what are you doing? And they'd be like, it's not a cake yet. And it's like, (laughs) well, it was gonna be, right? It was gonna be. So I, I think it's, 
he's such a like terrible languaged comedian and some of the stuff he does it's awful but when he said that i was like yeah that's how i feel about it it's not a baby till it's born but it, yeah, yeah it was gonna be though like that's the whole thing and so yeah so what speak to that and and whoever brought in the question enjoy hearing this and probably trying to find a way to troll us here <laughs> well, it's a tough environment where you try to justify, you know, late term, preterm abortion, which one's okay. Yeah. If you say that up to a certain point is okay, maybe, let's say by the sixth month, someone justifies it. Okay. So the, by the fifth month and 31st day, it's okay. That next day though, now it becomes right. wrong. It, it, it's such a slippery slope, even it up is. to birth. You, you have right. you seen those videos of the baby in the sack outside of the mother's womb where they're still like in the sack? Oh my gosh! And yeah. it's heartbreaking because that baby is just moments away from being born, and you're saying that you could stab it in that sack, and then that's not yeah. murder. But a few seconds right. later, outside, now it is. Now it is right. It's really. I, I don't play any dangerous. of those games. I go with Psalm one ninety one thirty nine, where God knew Tell me him. before I was formed, and so yep. at the moment of conception, you are a human with a soul who is being formed in your mother's womb, regardless right. of the breath, life, when does life happen, all that kind of stuff. God, it is a divine act of creation that uh, a baby can even be born. And at the moment of conception, they even say there's this light that happens in the embryo, this magnificent light. Yeah, right? I've seen that, right? And no and one can explain it. No one can explain that's it. That's what's so nuts. Yeah, Maybe that's when it. your soul comes into, okay. So, yep. <laughs> I'm just, you're, you're just, I know what's going through your head because it's so obvious to me as a Christ follower. Yeah. It's so obvious to me that, like, this, you can't say this isn't, like, you can't say this isn't alive. You can't say that we're some, I just, right. it's mind blowing to me. But, but at the same time, if you're not in that world, I, you so I'll go a little further it. and I'll say it's modern day child sacrifice, because when you look at Planned Parenthood and when you look at Satanists oh, who think it's a religious yeah. right to do abortion, okay, like yeah. there is a spiritual aspect to this ab apart from just the physical that's at play. And uh, you don't have to believe that if you don't want to, but there is a lot happening in the midst of killing children, which is not a yeah. new thing. It is something that has happened for generation after generation in, in pagan cultures. And it's just now legalized in a form that people find more palatable, even though I think it's disgusting. Now, with all yeah. that said, of course, there's issues yep. that, that come at play because it is legal. Totally. It is something yep. that, uh, well, if you just, if you don't have abortion, then what happens to all the kids? Is the church going to take them in? Okay. What about Planned Parenthood that spends a majority of their money on abortion? Why can't they use that money towards actually adoption and, and planning a parenthood right. instead of destroying your parenthood? Correct. All right, but I'm going to go off anymore. So, anyway, yeah, and, I, and look, you crushed it, and and you're 100. percent And obviously, this is out of all the questions we've had so far. This is where we've leaned most passionately. Yeah, I think what's so dangerous about this topic is at the same time we say this, it doesn't seem like Christians can get aligned on this. Mm -hmm. And I just don't get it. No, for the life of me, I don't get it. I don't get how you can read your Bible, have a relationship with Christ and go, yep, should be the mother's choice. I don't get it. I, I don't see it in scripture. I just don't like, I don't see it anywhere. I don't even see it close. Like, I don't even see like there's a moment where maybe you, it's not even close. 
And we have Christians that get on Facebook and Instagram and are like, yep, love Jesus. I was at this church this past Sunday. It's amazing. Oh my gosh. Da, 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 da. And then turn around on Monday and go, we should let, you know, my body, my choice, we should let the moms decide. And it's like, this is why people are so confused. This is why people have such a tough time. So hear me, please hear me, listeners. As a follower of Christ, I don't care what your past looks like, and I don't care what you've been through. That's right. There is a way for you to be forgiven, and there is a way for you to be in a relationship with Jesus. That is at the essence, everything we're about. And while you may have struggled with abortion and I may have struggled with something else that doesn't matter. We're on the same playing field. There aren't levels to this. We all fall short of the glory of God. Therefore we need Jesus. So as you're listening to this, if you've been one of those people that you're like, yeah, I've had an abortion. There's great news. Jesus loves you and wants to be in a relationship with you. And if you're listening right now and you're like, I've never known where to stand on this topic, and I don't even know if I'm a Christian, but I've never had to deal with abortion, but I've dealt with other things. There's great news. Jesus loves you and wants to be in a relationship with you. It's the same for everyone across the board. So that's where our hope is in and who our hope is in. My prayer is that people understand we're really approaching this from a scripture standpoint. And what the Bible says about this topic, but this doesn't put you in a position where all of a sudden you just can't, like you're just disqualified. And, and I think that's yeah. what's been so dangerous about this topic is you have one side that's saying, see, you say it's a sin. So now I can't move forward. And then you have another group of people that's saying it's not a sin. Keep moving forward in your sin. And both of those are wrong. Yeah. That's what's yep. so sad. So we just... It's a sanctity of life. If you don't believe you're made in God's image, it'll affect your decisions. If we're no different than the animals, what's different between eating a cow or just destroying a baby? It, it comes yep. down to the root of the, the issue of, are we in God's image? Because then that lack of sanctity of life will lead to other things like euthanasia. It will lead to destroying the, the those that are mentally challenged. It will lead to a lot of things. This perfect genome, right? When we can start orchestrating and being God will create a society of quote, perfect people. Okay. So that's where it goes when you start losing sanctity of life. All right, moving on. <laughs> that was really good. I, I, and I'm glad we got passionate about that. It needed yeah. to be said. And and I'm glad whoever asked that question. Thank you. Yes. You're not the only one wondering, I'm sure. Yep. All right. We'll try to get through some of these a little quick. So do people in church hide their suffering in order to not face gossip or the inevitable prayer chain that will call them, <laughs> call them out? I think just yeah. real quickly on this, I think Yes, this absolutely happens. You need to make sure that your church culture is something where sensitive issues can stay just to the people who need to know. Also, if there are gossipers in your church that you call them out, that you say, I heard you talking about this to someone that does not need to know. We just addressed this in our prayer group. We have a prayer group on Slack of 40 people. Granted, that's a lot of people who might hear prayers and it might spread, right? So we had to let them know, hey, when you hear things of sensitive nature, make sure you don't address it with that person. It's for you to pray to God, not for you to tell your friends. And so that's that's an issue. And some people might have well-meaning intentions and go to someone and say, hey, I heard you're struggling with this. But that can also be that person's like, oh, how did you know? I told the pastor. How did, you know? Yeah. So got to be very careful with this one. Gossip can permeate the tr- church and lead to church hurt. 
Yeah. And you just always want to assume the best about the other person. I've seen this on all sides. Like I'm sure you have, Tim. I've seen the people that know how to express their challenge privately and in a great way one-on-one. I've seen other people that just all of a sudden raise the the flag up in uh, a small group and then that expands to some unhealthy patterns. The, the truth is we're all just doing the best we can. Yeah. And what I would encourage you is we we see this shown in scripture, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John a little bit further than the rest of the disciples when he's in the garden of Gethsemane. So what that tells us is that what he told those few was not something he wanted to share with all of the disciples. And he trusted Peter, James, and John. He trusted them to the point that he could look at them and say, uh, my soul is weak, right? I'm in agony here. I really I, I know what's about to happen and I'm in agony. Will you pray with me? Will you help me? So what that tells us is our job is not to be like, oh, we're in a small group of 12 people. Let's tell all 12 people. Our, right. our goal is to go, okay, who's my Peter, James, and John? Who are my three that I can be like, hey guys, I've messed up this week. I looked at something I shouldn't have looked at. Or hey guys, I messed up this week. I, I lied and now I don't know how to go back to that person and tell them, how do I navigate this conversation? Hey guys, I've had a really rough week. I don't know how to, I don't know how to deal with this. I'm just, oh my gosh, I'm in agony. We have to find our Peter, our James, and our John. So if, if right. Jesus needed a Peter, James, and John, you're going to need a Peter, James, and John too. And it can't be your entire congregation and it can't be everyone in your small group, but it needs to be a few. Yeah, that you can have some honest conversations with. And this is something that I prescribe to. I have elders at my church and even within the eldership, there are elders that I tell everything to. And then there are elders that I'm like, I'm going to talk to you at a meeting and I'm going to talk to you a little bit outside the meeting, but like personal stuff, I'm going to tell a couple elders. And then I'm going to also tell some people outside of the church, some other pastors that help hold me accountable because I want to make sure that I'm making it right with my Peter, my James, and my John. So yeah. that's what we need. Perfect. All right. Next question. Is it possible the religion and modernization don't work well together? It's the context of it is progressive countries like Scandinavia seem to have a far better standard of living and yet show the lowest level of church activity and religious beliefs. And yet the quality of life for most citizens in highly religious countries seems to be going downhill fast. Not sure how they know that. Is it possible that religion and modernization don't work well together? So it's taking one country and saying that they have a high standard of living and mm-hmm. low church activity. Mm-hmm. Is there a correlation between the fact they don't go to church and yet this country is thriving? And so we're taking one. So I want to make sure I hear yeah. this right. So we're taking one country. One country. And we don't really know where the statistics are coming from. No. Nope. We're going to make it a blanket statement worldwide. And we don't know that citizens in highly religious countries seems to be going downhill fast. I don't know what that means. So anyway, this is the question we got. I think on a bigger, the bigger scale is that, do you need religion if everything's going well? If your country's going well, if we can figure oh, this out, if we, can, if we can create a government that all our needs are being met and there's no conflict and we have a high standard of living. People are living longer. Everyone has food. Everyone has jobs. If we have mm-hmm. this utopian society, do we need religion? And the question really comes down to, is religion a crutch for those that are in poverty? Is it a crutch right. just to give you some sense of hope in a future because your current present on this earth is horrible? And, right. and 
this somehow we've evolved out of this mindset of needing God. That's kind of what the, this question comes down to. Regardless yep. of the fact, is God real or not? Is there a heaven or hell or not? That's really the question right. we need to be asking, not just can we just do without them? <laughs> because that's what you're saying. Sure. Is, okay, God's real. And now I'm going to create this utopian society where I don't need them. And yet this utopian society is still going to hell. Yeah, I know a lot of people who are in North Carolina with me that live in what you would consider a utopia. And they need Jesus. Right. Like they've got the house, they've got the boat, they've got the car, they've got the vacation mm -hmm. rental, they've got the property, they've got the job, they got the family, they got the grandkids. <laughs> they're set. They are set for life, mm -hmm. but they're not going to heaven, bro. Right. Look, way to go to people that that can figure out how to do life. I mean, this speaks to does man have free will? Yeah, like we live in a society that has some good fortune and has some blessings and we live in a society that has some good luck and some bad luck. Like we, we have, we have a society that's based on human effort. And sometimes that human effort gets you in a great place. And sometimes that human effort gets you in a bad place. And, and yeah. there's just no telling what could happen because everybody's got free will and it's a, a free for all. But even if you're on top of the mountain, if you don't know Jesus, you don't know Jesus. Right. So I, I think you're right. Like there, there's such a higher level and more, more, important question to be asking ourselves. One of the things I thought of when you were talking about it is, well, what's the goal in life? So is it possible that religion and modernization don't work well together? I mean, is so is the goal then just to do really well in life? Is, yeah. that, is that the goal? Because I'll tell choice, you this right yeah. now. I'll tell you this right now. I have a brother. Me and him grew up in the same household. Okay. And he does life really well. Mm -hmm. Okay like really well, like dude makes NFL kind of money. Dude does NFL kind of things. Dude is really good. Here's the thing. I was really fortunate. I don't know why. I don't know why, but my brother worked way harder, is way smarter. Just in every category you could find, my brother should be top of the mountain and I should be down in the valley somewhere. Yeah. And for some reason, God just decided to like bless me and allow me to get through life in a tremendous way. I don't know why. I don't know why he has blessed me the way he has. I'm really thankful for it. But I, I don't know why he blessed me with the wife and the kids I have. I don't know why he blessed me financially the way that we've been blessed. I don't deserve any of it. And I surely didn't work as hard as some other people. So I see that so, and I recognize that. But what I know is that the important question isn't, am I doing life well? Right. Like you outside looking in, I'm doing life well. I still need Jesus. Outside looking yeah. in, my brother's doing life well. He still needs Jesus. So, All right. No, that's good. Good distinction. All right. Next question. We're going to go to some fun ones here. All right. How completely honest are you with your children? Do you do the tooth fairy, Santa, Easter bunny? And how do you help your kids discern truth from fiction? All right. I have a five-year-old and a three-year-old. So yes, we just started doing the tooth fairy. My daughter lost both her bottom teeth. She got, I think, $2 a tooth. Okay. So we do tooth fairy. We do Santa. Do we do the Easter bunny? We have like at Easter, like we give them a little something, but they know it's yeah. about Jesus. Like, yeah. but they're, they're five and three, man, five and three. So my, my son wants to be a zombie. He walks around, I'm a zombie. And I'm like, where did you even like learn this? But there was some kid at school who's a zombie and they played tag. And so he decided he wants to be a zombie. Like they're really young. 
So I don't know that I'm like equipped to sit here and be like, how do I help my kids discern truth from fiction because of how young they are? But like, I I also will say, yes, I, 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 at my house, we do tooth fairy, we do Santa, we do Easter bunny. I grew up in a house that did that as well. And at some point you, you grow out of it. Like you realize, Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. I see what my parents did and I see what we're doing and you just move on. Yeah. I never grew up doing these things. My mom actually had a traumatic episode in her childhood when she saw her dad be dressed up as Santa and she swore to herself, she would never do that to her kids. And so that's been passed down to me, which we've just never done that as a family. Wow. And so tell me about that. So yeah. Cause how do you, how do you talk to your kid? Cause this is good for me to know. How do you talk to your kids? Like when they go to school or they're around other kids that are doing Santa and to, you know, things like that. Like, how do you handle those conversations? Yeah. Well, we tell them, don't be the kid that's like, ah, do you know, Santa's not real. You know, (laughs) don't be that kid. But at the same time, you just have to accept that it's a thing in culture. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we'll we'll watch movies that have Santa in it, you know, like Polar Express or whatever. And that's fine. Elf, right? Great movie. So it's not that we're completely against the concept. We just don't believe he gives us the the presence on Christmas because we believe that if we tell them that everything we have comes from Jesus, right? And then your parents use the money he's given us to give you the gifts. It's just a much better approach as far as understanding where everything comes from. And so I think the heart of this question is around, okay, so you've taught them all these fake things. How do they know that God's not fake? How do they discern that it's just not a fairy tale tale that God's it, once they find out that Santa's not real and all these things are not real, how do they know that God's mm-hmm. actually real and not just a fairy tale? And I think it comes down to anything when you're trying to parent your kids is that you have to discern truth from fiction in the movies you watch. Mm-hmm. How do you discern that a you know, cartoon's not real? We're moving to an age of virtual reality and we're moving to all kinds of stuff where yeah, <laughs> deep fake and all kinds of things that can oh, be it's fake. So legit. So so yeah, you do have to discern truth from fiction, but at the same time, if God is not just this thing that you go worship once a year on Christmas and Easter, if he's actually integral to, as a parental unit to your family, mm-hmm. it's going to be more than just, oh, it's just the holiday where we do this thing. No, God's a part of our entire life. And so I think that's the the heart of the issue is that you can treat God just like this person on the, the wall or this thing at church that we just pay homage to. Mm-hmm. Like we see Santa once a year, he brings us presents. Yeah. We see Jesus once a year on, on Easter, we go talk about his, the resurrection. So I think you can treat it that way, but if you're doing it right, and if God's an uh, integral part of your family, your, your children will see that there's more to it than just yep. you know a fairy tale. That was going to be my answer too. I, I think my how do kids discern truth from fiction? Hopefully from my life. Hopefully the way I live my life. I'm not worshiping saying I don't have my hands up to the tooth fairy. I'm right. not dropping to my knees for the Easter bunny. So hopefully yeah. from that. Good deal. What's the most challenging thing about doing a podcast? Doing it screen to screen mm-hmm. as opposed to in person. Yeah. I think that's probably the most challenging for me. I have so much energy when I can like feed off of the other person. And I feel like I can do that with you like visually pretty good. I feel like we get to a layer of that screen to screen, but I think in person is just so much better. So that for (laughs) me, that's the toughest thing. What about you? It was funny. Someone in my church last Sunday was like, we want you and Drew to meet each other. If we need to pay for that to happen, we will. (laughs) I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Fly me out my guy. Let's do it. Yeah. 
I would love I know, to. Uh, I know Corey Russell and Billy Humphrey, they do a, a podcast called Gripped and they do the entire episode or the entire season together. They, they fly out, meet each other, then they record like 10 episodes and then they Ooh. wait another six months and do it. That's one okay, way to do it. That's, that would take a lot of planning. It might be something. Yeah, but it might be something to think about for 2024. Like, I wonder if yeah. we could integrate something like that. Maybe. That's pretty cool. The most challenging thing for me is editing. If I had a production manager, yeah. if I had someone who could do the editing and do all that stuff that I do because I can, but I don't like doing it. That would be awesome for me. Also promoting your own podcast is hard because you're reliant upon friends to share and you're reliant upon being somewhat unique in a world of podcasts where there's just one for everything and sometimes multiple ones for the same thing. And so trying to stand out is, is, is tough as well. So, yeah. And shout out, by the way, everybody who's listening, like Tim does so much more than I do when it comes to this podcast. Like I'm sitting here looking at an email with show notes and scripture and questions, and it's all beautifully laid out. And he drives a lot of the topics and he does post editing. And then he, he, researches platforms and does marketing and does all these things. I get to show up and I get to talk and I love doing those things. And those are not incredibly taxing on me. So like in case you're wondering if you should be contributing to this podcast in a way of liking it and sharing it and writing a review and all that, Tim puts a lot of effort in and we want to make sure that that gets moved forward. So yeah, thanks for all you do, bro. You're killing it. Awesome. Happy to do it. All right. If you could change one thing about your church, what would it be? Woo. All right. I'm ready. Finances. That's it. That's what I got. <laughs> Finances. Um, we, yeah, I mean, dude, I really love how generous our church is. Like our church is crazy generous and we will continue to be that way. And our people are the best people. And I feel like we have so much potential, but man, there are so many things that not, and I want to phrase this right. There are so many things, not that we want to do. There are so many things that God is calling us to do. Mm-hmm. Not like I sat around and had an idea. God gave me an idea. In fact, there was one specifically on my way to church this morning. I was so overwhelmed by an idea that God I know brought me that I cried in my wow. car. That's I'm awesome. not even kidding you. The Holy Spirit was just like, this is what you're going to do. And I wept while I'm driving and just uncontrollably just couldn't handle the weight the spirit was putting on me, just driving in the car and thinking about the church. And I'm like, yeah, but do we have the finances? Mm -hmm. And that, that just seems to be what my mind immediately goes to. So if I could change one thing and I believe God's going to provide 100%, but if I had the power and I could just change it right now, it would be finances. I wish that we would have an abundance of money so that we could do everything that God's calling us to do. Yeah. What about you? Well, yeah, that for sure. But also along the lines, when we talked about being a devoted disciple and we did that episode, if every single person in the church could be a devoted disciple and not just a believer in Jesus, I just think, man, what could we do? How could we impact the community? What just a mobilized army out there spreading the good news that excites me. And also it can be frustrating and exciting at the same time to think of the potential. Uh, You know, in business, we always talked about our sales potential, which means if you sold the most you could sell in one day based on physically being able to sell, what's your sales potential? And no one ever reaches their Mm. sales potential because it's just this ideal goal. But at the same time, when I think of the church's potential for ministry, man, it's just, it's almost seems like you could do anything at that point if everyone's mobilized with their giftings. So anyway. That's really good. All right. What is the best 
Christian TV show or movie in your opinion? And I was thinking, is there other Christian TV shows besides The Chosen? That's obviously my answer, but... Yeah. Yeah, I'd go right there with you. I don't really have like a go-to when it comes to TV show, movie that I'm like, oh yeah, like that's, Mm -hmm. I liked War Room, you know, just because I thought the concept was really cool. As far as a movie, like what do you want? Passion of the Christ, although that's not really like a rewatchable, like you don't pop that up on a Tuesday night and go, let me just watch the Passion of the Christ. That's more of a one time a year. I think I'll just had a reminder, but I'm all set. So yeah, I I don't know. Like great question. I'm stumped to be honest with you, which just tells you there's really a niche there that somebody could hit. Yeah. I think obviously the chosen for TV show. And then I think now Jesus revolution was so awesome. I would say that's my favorite movie that and nefarious. And both those came out this year. So it's really been hard, I think, on the Christian entertainment business, but I see it improving so much lately with the Mm -hmm. chosen those movies. And I think in the past, there's a series called the Matthew series and it goes through the book of Matthew verse by verse with nothing added. And we used to watch that as a family and he is one of the best portrayals of Jesus I've seen in cinema. And so I think that would be one of my favorite movies slash series along okay. with movies like Courageous and the War Room is really good too. So yeah, yeah, there's yeah. been some good ones. What's your favorite <laughs> Christian music artist? Of all time, DC Talk. Yes. Just, you can't, Toby Mac with, with what was it, Michael Tate and mm-hmm. the other the guy, guy that nobody remembers, atheist, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, like, I, yeah, that's now an atheist. Kevin like, yeah, that's right. I just, I'm a DC Talk guy for life. That's just me. Easy answer. I like it. I love DC Talk. Yeah. I grew up Audio Adrenaline, Newsboys, DC Talk, Carmen. Yeah. That was Ooh, my youth. Yeah. Oh, uh, I think now, that. recently, I'm more towards like Upper Room and mm-hmm. Elevation. Those types Elevation. Of yeah. yeah. You can't go wrong there. Yeah. And, and then for a better beat, Planet Boom is really awesome. It's they're okay. Christian and it's more like Christian hype music, but the words are really good. So Planet Boom. If I'm looking for a beat, if I'm looking more for it to enter in and worshipful upper room, man, there's just been so many good ones. But yeah, those are two that come to mind now. So cool. Should Christians share Netflix accounts? Is it stealing? Man, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, probably. Right? Like, probably. Probably it is stealing. Probably shouldn't do it. I don't know. I would do things in the up and up, but I don't know. I would say if you're allowed to do it and you're doing it like with family and until they crack down on it and you're not allowed to do it. Like if you're stealing someone else's account and they don't know you're doing it, then yeah, that's yeah. wrong. But if you're doing it and you're allowed to do it with family. Yeah. It's like saying, about, can you take advantage of taxes? How about you like, just not li- watch Netflix? That would be, Oh, I like probably that. better. <laughs> Should Christians play fantasy football? Oops. I play, I play. I Look, I think with any of these things like fantasy football or whatever, I think just, you can't make them your God. Right. Should Christians play fantasy football? Well, I don't think it's like a, I don't think it's a requirement, but if you do, I think the goal is to not let it take your attention away from God. And if you end up being one of these people that are so consumed by it, that you're doing that over getting the word, you're doing that on a Sunday instead of going to church because there's a 930 AM game in London. Like if you're doing that, like that's where you got to start going. You know what? I really shouldn't be doing this because it's taking my focus off of God. It's pulling me in a different direction and I've now made it my priority i agree should you wear a jersey to church yeah wear whatever you want man 
Why Just not? don't come naked. <laughs> don't come naked. <laughs> but if your church is like only suits, then probably don't do that. If you're the only right jersey, respectful of the. All right, last question before we go to our personal questions. All How right. often do you think about the Roman Empire, and what is the real reason men do it? <laughs> I saw this come up on Facebook, and I was wondering where it came from. I guess it was a meme that someone threw out there where all men think about is the Roman Empire, <laughs> and so now it's become this thing where everyone's talking about it. I don't think about it that much. So maybe I'm unique in that. Do you think about it, Drew? <laughs> no. Like, what is the, what's the backstory on this? Cause I've seen it too, but yeah. I'm, I'm perplexed and like where this, like, I where think was it was one of those memes? From? Like, oh, he's probably thinking about other women and then he's actually thinking about the Roman Empire. Cause there's those TikToks where it's like her thinking I'm looking at the women or those, Tinder profile yeah. or whatever. And it's like him looking at like grass, from, right. you know, how to grow the best grass in the yard <laughs> or you're looking at golf shots or things like yeah. that. Yeah. I love gladiator. I love 300, those kinds of movies. Roman empire yep. was like a visceral yep. man's environment, right? Very sinful as well. And so sure. maybe there's some longing for uh, more to be a man, yeah. but let's be men of God and uh, try to take ground where we're at instead of thinking about the past. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Something like that. I think it's good. I, I do have a friend that thinks about the Roman empire, like all the time. <laughs> He'll bring it up in conversations. Like, you know, well, Rome, man, like this is what they used to do. I'm like, Whoa. Okay. Yeah. Like, I didn't know you knew all this history, bro. So, all yeah, right. So we're at the end. I, ha I have a question for Drew and then he'll have a question for me. So my question for Drew, he doesn't know this is coming. Okay. Oh, if you were given a platform tomorrow, having hundreds of thousands of followers, a church oh of gosh. thousands. If Jeez. God just handed that to you tomorrow, yep. what would you do to make sure that would not destroy you? What would I do to make sure that wouldn't destroy me? So number one, nothing would change from the course of my family. It's really important that I would keep my wife and my kids very much integrated in my life and very much integrated in my ministry. No one's going to keep me more grounded and no one's going to know me better than my wife. So that's going to be an important piece. Then from a ministry level, I'm going to make sure that I build the right kind of accountability. So right now I have three elders at my church. If we're looking at thousands and a platform of that, like I'm going to need to upgrade the amount of people <laughs> that are in that circle. So we're going to have to get not just an accountability team, but an elder team. We're going to need both of those moving forward. And I'm going to need to strategically meet uh, with both of those groups. I think I'm going to need to continue to be who I am. As difficult as I see this being for people that get into this kind of situation, I'm going to need to continue to be vulnerable. I'm going to continue to need to do things like this and put yeah. these kinds of things like this podcast in my routine because it is very much in a way therapeutic. So I want to keep those things in my life and not try to like separate myself. Yeah. Because all of a sudden I, I have what would be considered fame of some kind or a larger platform. I still need to have that like acute awareness of who I really am and make yeah. sure that I have things in my life patterned and people in my life patterned to remind me of that. So I, I think that's, and honestly, I think that would be my first thought. I think literally the question you just asked would be my first thought in that. If I woke up tomorrow and all of a sudden I was TikTok famous, my first question would be, 
Well, maybe it would be my second question. My first question would be, how can I share the gospel to this many people today and, mm-hmm. and do that in like an effective way? And secondly would be, how can I make sure I don't get prideful with this kind of attention now? Yeah. So, so great question. And All right. one I like that's it. worth pondering. <laughs> All right. Question number one for you that you don't know is coming. It's a little lighter than what you just threw my <laughs> Right. (laughs) But it's specifically for people who are watching on video. So I want to make sure that people tune in on video to check this out. All right. Tell me how long you're sticking with the facial hair and how many different versions of your facial hair you have in your back pocket ready to go. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So I'm sticking with it for at least two more weeks. Okay. I know it's not a permanent thing and I like to just mix it up. And okay. I have either to get rid of that chin hair. Oh, and just or, go like straight right. here. Straight or to go stash. a thinner stash and get rid of the flavor saver and just do okay. like a stash and then maybe a goatee. Like there's other ways I can do it. I've done a Robert Downey Jr. before, like an Iron Man with wow, following, I didn't know that. following okay. his lines. That's really hard to maintain. And then if I get lazy, I'll just do like a full beard for a couple of weeks too. So Okay. Okay. I asked the question really because I'm envious. I can't like, I have these, like I have these like little patches that just pop up place to place. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know what to do, but I'll be honest with you. I'm like this close leading into this weekend. I'm this close to like shaving the sides and just trying to get a little, get my little Fu Manchu going here for you and and try to, yeah, I'm real close to it. So you've inspired (laughs) me. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> in so many ways but in facial hair specifically in facial hair my job is done here <laughs> that's awesome hey shout out to our, our listeners and shout out to everybody who uh commented and asked yes, questions uh, i know we didn't get to all of them uh we're already this is already a, a longer yeah. episode but big shout out to you thanks for being involved make sure you continue to follow along on our social media pages because you are absolutely going to see more opportunities for uh you to uh, ask questions as you see in the bottom of our uh, screen right now, like, and share this podcast, leave a review, man. Yeah. One of the ways that people really get to know about our podcast is if you leave a review and until right. next time you ready, go with God, grow in discernment and keep your eyes on Jesus. Thanks for joining us on the eyes on Jesus podcast with Drew and Tim. Don't forget to hit subscribe. If this episode blessed you, please share it with a friend. Check out the show notes for more ways to connect with the hosts of the show.